I believe we are living in the end time just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. But can I prove it? Well, today, I want to provide scriptural proof by analyzing the five greatest prophetic fulfillments in the last 2,000 years ever since the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So stay tuned for another exciting edition of The End Time Show. The birth of the Holy Roman Empire in 800 A.D. Modern nations in the Bible, Daniel chapter 7. The rebirth of the nation of Israel, May 14, 1948. The fall of the Berlin Wall, November 9, 1989. And the rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire, November 3, 2009. The five most recognizable prophecies to occur since the birth of Jesus Christ. All five of these let us know we absolutely are living in the end time. And so I'm going to explain each and every one of these today because most people lived through these and didn't even know they had anything to do with the prophecies of the Bible or that they were a direct fulfillment of a prophecy. So, number one, the birth of the Holy Roman Empire in 800 A.D. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 31 through 35, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar his dream. Nebuchadnezzar had had a dream. He couldn't really remember what it was. And so he got all of his magicians and everybody together and his soothsayers and, and all of his wise men. And of all of them, Daniel and his God was the only one that could give the interpretation to Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So Daniel said, O king, we're, you were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was the head of fine gold, its chest and arms silver, belly and thighs brass, legs of iron, and feet of iron mingled with clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image of, on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried that away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became great, a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Well, as Daniel revealed the dream, the king began to remember and he, he acknowledged Daniel's God could indeed reveal the secrets of men's hearts. Then Daniel interpreted the dream for the king. He said, this was in Daniel chapter 2, verse 37 through 45. You, O king, are king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, 
or the beast of the field and the birds of heaven, he has given them into your hand. And he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold on this image. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. Now that's a very important clue right there. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything, and like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it. That's another very, very important clue right there. Just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom, this final kingdom, shall be partly strong and partly fragile. And as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. All these empires would rule the known world during their era. Remember, um, Daniel 2.39 says, But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. The prophecy begins coming to pass in the days of the reign of Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. Though Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem and carried away the gold and silver vessels that were dedicated to the service of God in the temple, he never used those vessels. But Belshazzar used the vessels during a feast and God punished him and split his kingdom. You remember the story where there was the handwriting on the wall. Meeny, meeny, tickle you farson. This night your kingdom is weighed in the balance and found wanting. And actually Belshazzar as well. So, the head of gold was Babylon, which ruled from 606 B.C. to 539 B.C. The arms and breast of silver were the Medes and the Persians, which ruled from 539 B.C. to 331 B.C. Well, who do the belly and thighs of brass represent? Well, that's Alexander the Great when he conquered the empire of the Medes and the Persians. And this began the Grecian Empire. Of course, Greece ruled the world for the next uh, couple hundred years from 331 B.C. to 197 B.C. And in 197 B.C., the Romans defeated the Grecians, and then they began their reign. And the legs of iron symbolized the Roman Empire. Of course, it was the strongest, and it lasted the longest. And they ruled from... 197 B.C. until around 284 A.D., almost 500 years. And, of course, the Roman Empire was ruling the world at the time of Jesus Christ. That's why there were 
Roman soldiers at Jesus' crucifixion, and he was taken before a Roman judge, Pontius Pilate. But notice as we move from one segment to the next, the image, the metals change. And it changes from gold to silver to brass to iron until the final segment. And then we move from the legs of iron to the feet of iron mingled with clay. And this empire that is symbolized here, that's the empire that will rule the world at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the Battle of Armageddon. And we are now living in the era of that final empire. It's the Holy Roman Empire. And we'll get to it as we get back from the break. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 End Time. Are you ready for an extraordinary journey to the region that is the focus of more End Time Bible prophecy than any other? Well, look no further. Join us on an unforgettable journey to Israel. Our adventure begins down in Jerusalem, where we will teach on the Mount of Olives, sing at the Garden of Gethsemane, walk down through the Kidron Valley, then we'll make our way north, have a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, while visiting Joppa, Mount Carmel, baptize in the Jordan River, and so much more. Don't miss out on this incredible trip to Israel. Spaces are limited. Book your tour today. Visit endtime.com slash tour or call us at 1-800-END-TIME. Join us for an experience that you will never forget. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. As we're going down Nebuchadnezzar's vision that he had of this big statue, we go from the head of gold, arms and breast of silver, belly and thighs of brass, the legs of iron, and then we move from the legs of iron to the feet of iron mingled with clay. This time the metal carries over into the next segment. All the rest of them, it completely changed. Gold, silver, brass, iron. Now it's going to, an element 
will come out of the fourth one into the fifth empire. And this indicates that the last empire will not be the Roman Empire, but it will be kind of related to the Roman Empire. Just an element, the Roman element, actually continued from 300 A.D. all the way until 800 A.D. And then in 800 A.D., the Holy Roman Empire was born. The the Roman Empire was a secular empire, but the Holy Roman Empire was an alliance of church and state, an alliance of, uh, let's say, politics and religion. And the Holy Roman Empire was born on December 25th, Christmas Day, 800 A.D., when Pope Leo III placed the crown on the head of Charlemagne, and he announced that he was now the emperor, he was the first emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. The depiction of the feet of iron mingled with clay symbolized the Roman element, the iron, but also the religious element that it entered in, and that was the clay. The Holy Roman Empire ruled the world for the next, what, 1,000 years. And the leaders who ruled the Holy Roman Empire were always a dual leadership, which was a political leader from Europe and the spiritual leader from Italy. So the spiritual leader was always the Pope for all the way from the very beginning of the Roman Catholic Church, of the Vatican. And Pope Leo III was actually the one that crowned Charlemagne in the beginning. And so ever since, there's been the political leader and a religious leader. And this is how it will be ran at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So that's the Holy Roman Empire. But in just a little while, we'll see the rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire. What's all that about? Well, let me get into a couple more prophecies and then we'll finish up with that one. The second most recognizable prophecy, and really the, 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 the biggest, uh, one of the biggest and most, um, that would be most familiar to many of us, would be modern nations in the Bible. It is impossible, if you do not understand this prophecy of the modern nations in the Bible in Daniel 7, it is impossible for you to understand many prophecies in the book of Revelation concerning the world government and how all these things play out in the end time and the master plan of Satan to rule the world in the end time. You've got to get this prophecy in Daniel 7 right. So, modern nations in the Bible. The prophecy that highlights all the nations involved in God's plan for the end time is recorded in Daniel chapter 7, and we'll begin with verses 1 through 3. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head uh, upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream, and he told the sum of the matters. And Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts come up out of the sea, diverse one from another. So many of you understand that prophecy is written in symbols. So what do these symbols from Daniel's vision represent? Are they just are they four physical animals that ran around at some point throughout history or is it a future prophecy for these big crazy looking animals running around? No. This is symbolic. So Daniel saw four beasts. 
these symbols are interpreted for us. And many times it's that way as you continue to read on or look in other passages of Scripture, the prophecies are interpreted for us. So these symbols are interpreted for us as well. When we continue reading uh, in Daniel chapter 7, when we come down to verse 17, it says that these great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Go on down to verse 23 and it says, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all the kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth. So according to verses 17, um, the beast symbolized kings. And then according to verse 23 in Daniel 7 now, the beast symbolized kingdoms. So we know for certain these beasts represent nations along with their rulers. In modern day terminology, a kingdom is a nation. So in Daniel chapter 7 verse 4 through 8, as we continue on here, Daniel identifies the four beasts. Then in Daniel 7, 9, it says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, the the thrones of these beasts or these nations, and the Ancient of Days did sit. Now, this is Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about him coming back on a second time. But this is describing the transition from the kingdom of human government to the kingdom of God, which happens when Jesus Christ returns. So the Bible teaches when the Lord returns to the earth, he will remove all human governments and he will establish a kingdom which will never pass away and never be destroyed. The Bible talks about this in... Revelation chapter 11, when it talks about the seventh trump. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. It's the exact same thing that's talked about here in Daniel 7. But again, unless you understand Daniel 7 and the world governing bodies and everything, you're going to be very stuck if you get over to Revelation and trying to figure much of that out. You're not not going to really... It's going to have a very, very hard time understanding. If not, it's going to be impossible. So here, Daniel sees the beasts with their thrones cast down and Jesus Christ crowned as King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's at this time when the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ will begin. And that is what Scripture refers to as the kingdom of God. Well, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 11, Daniel backs up a little bit to explain what will occur immediately before the kingdom of God is established. He said, I beheld them because the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain, his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. So the little horn here is referring to the Antichrist. And Daniel said, I watched and I heard the the words that the horn spake and that the Antichrist spake. I beheld even till the beast, the Antichrist, was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. So the Bible teaches us that when Jesus comes, the Antichrist and his religious partner, the false prophet, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And Satan's also going to be bound for a thousand years in the bottomless pit. And this is what Daniel 7 is referring to. There's another account with more clues of this same exact event that's found in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. And that's where it brings the false prophet into the picture. But the timing is right there when the Lord comes back with his saints to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. 
So it helps with the timing of all of this. And that's what you have to do many times in prophecy when you're trying to figure out uh, or, or to help interpret a prophecy is to go to all the scriptures that pertain to that prophecy. And it really helps to get a big, to, to get the full scope of what the writer is trying to say. Really, ultimately what God is trying to say to all of us. Now, the prophecy continues with Daniel seven twelve, And it further explains, and it says, uh, Daniel said, as concerning the rest of these beasts or these nations, the rest of these kingdoms or nations, that the latter part of Daniel 7, 12 says that they had their dominion taken away. This is at the time of the battle of Armageddon. When the Lord comes back, this is when all this is occurring. Their dominion was taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. The other kingdoms or nations will have their dominion taken away when the Antichrist is destroyed at the battle of Armageddon. But these nations will not be destroyed with the Antichrist. The Bible says their lives are prolonged for a season and a time into the 1,000-year millennial reign. So the timing of these events, this is very important when we're talking about modern nations. Many people believe the nations in Daniel 7 are a mere image of the empires that were in Daniel chapter 2. But that simply is a misinterpretation of Scripture. Because the empires that were in Daniel 2, the first four of them, they're gone. The, the kingdom of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the Medes and the Persians, the Grecians under Alexander the Great, and the Roman Empire, those empires are done away with, those global governing empires, except for the fifth one, which is the Holy Roman Empire. <clears throat> but yet, Daniel 7 says that all of these nations and kingdoms will be on the earth at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So it's very important that you understand these are separate empires. Now, the ten-nation union in Daniel 7 is the same thing as the ten toes or the, the, the feet of iron mingled with clay in Daniel chapter 2. It's the Holy Roman Empire. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But I want you to understand there's kind of a misinterpretation of Scripture here that we really want to clear up as we go through here because we're talking about modern nations. How do I know that? The Daniel 7 walks us through the timing of all of this. It's when the God of heaven comes back to establish his kingdom here on the earth. Modern day. And so the timing of these events, it correlates with the end of human government, the beginning of the kingdom of God. And the Bible explains humanity will continue on the earth. This is not the end of the world. Humanity is going to continue on the earth for another 1,000 years after the Antichrist is destroyed. So the nations whose power has been removed will have their lives prolonged into the millennium. So this is significant because it reveals to us that Jesus Christ will return during the lifetime of these nations that are mentioned in Daniel chapter 7. So, the big question is, who are the nations, right? That's what we all want to know. Well, Daniel chapter 7, verse 4, says the first, remember there's four beasts. The first was like a lion. It had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was, made, it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon a feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. You say, what does that have to do 
with nations, right? Because the Bible says these were kingdoms and, and it symbolizes the rulers of those kingdoms. Well, there is a modern day nation in existence today whose recognized animal symbol is the lion. And it's the nation of Great Britain. You go to dictionaries, look on their flags. There's many other things. Go to all the lion, those big, huge, giant statues of lions in Trafalgar Square. It's easy to see. Look at old satire cartoons of World War I. It's easy to, to tell that the modern-day nation symbolized by the lion is Great Britain. Daniel 7.5 says, Abby held another beast, a second, like to a bear. And it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus to it, arise and devour much flesh. Well, of course, you, there's hundreds and hundreds of articles about uh, letting us know that Russia is commonly associated with the bear, the animal symbol. And you, you, many people have talked about the Russian-Ukraine situation going on today. And it, it's talked about the Russian bear and Ukraine. Ukraine is stirring up the Russian bear or NATO is messing with the Russian bear. It's easy to tell. God didn't choose um, little insignificant nations that nobody's ever heard of. He chose the major powers on the planet when he said, I'm going to give you some prophecies and let you, and I'm, I'm going to make sure you can understand this. So these two, we have two beasts here, right? They're clearly two world powers today. The lion's Great Britain, the bear's Russia. But what about the United States? Are we another one of the beast? We are, we're still a prominent, a prominent world power, right? Does the United States exist in Bible prophecy? This is very critical, especially us here living in America, that we understand this prophecy. Well, of course we're mentioned in the prophecy of the Bible. We're right in the middle of it. In, in Scripture, it says the eagle's wings were plucked from the lion. Who's the lion? Great Britain. Who's our mother country? Great Britain. The eagle symbolizes the United States of America. It's the nation's uh, national bird. The reverse side of a U.S. dollar bill pictures the eagle as the national seal. The United States was birthed from Great Britain. And 2,300 years after this scripture is written, America declares her independence from Great Britain. And then Daniel 7, 4 continues, I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth. This illustrates the United States breaking away from Great Britain, and it appears as if Daniel prophesied about the Declaration of Independence all the way back in 550 B.C. You say, how in the world did Daniel know there was going to be a nation at the time when the Messiah would come to set up his kingdom here on the earth, not his first coming, but his second coming, that would be depicted as an eagle and it would come out of another nation that was depicted as a lion because God knows the end from the beginning. And he went back and told Daniel, Daniel, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some prophecies and I want you to write these down exactly like I'm telling them to you because I want the people of the time of the end to be able to interpret these prophecies correctly. Well, folks, now we have two nations, one an eagle, and it broke out of the lion, Great Britain. They that understand what is taking place will instruct men. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. 
I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 in time. That's 800-363-8463. You know, everyone, the the correlations between these symbols from Daniel and these nations, they seem obvious to us now, don't they? I mean, a, a, a nation, a modern day nation of an eagle being, John saw, or Daniel saw it plucked out of a nation that had the symbol of a lion, Great Britain. I mean, this is miraculous, but most people missed it because they didn't understand the prophecies of the Bible. The Lord, then, the Lord told Daniel the understanding of the prophecies was for the people of the time of the end in Daniel chapter 12. If these are, in fact, legitimate correlations, and it appears to be very evident, Jesus Christ will return to the earth in the era of these nations, Great Britain, Russia, and the United States of America. Now, if you don't understand this, then you would think, well, I, you know, the, the, the nations over in Revelation chapter 13 where it talks about the world governing body and the federalization of these nations, except for America, you're, you're going to be stuck. How are you going to be able to interpret that prophecy if you don't get this one right? It's very important. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the five greatest prophetic fulfillments since the time of Jesus Christ, letting us know we are, in fact, in the end time. Daniel 6 continues. I got a little bit more. I want to go through this one because Daniel 6 continues. He said, after this, I beheld and lo, there was a beast like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads and dominion was given to it. So many of you know, the leopard symbolizes another nation depicted for our time. And that's Germany. The seven headed 10 horned beast symbolizes the current European Union, or the reborn Holy Roman Empire. Now, I've got lots of documentation for all of these, uh, the leopard and the, the, the Holy Roman Empire and all these different things. I won't have time on these programs to go into great detail in all of that because I want to get through all of these uh, points here today. That's why we've just come out with our brand new Understanding the End Time DVD series, the Understanding the End Time book. You can go to endtime.com and purchase those. And we're, people have been reading it. They've been calling me. They've been emailing me saying, wow, I finally understand this stuff. I, it's been years studying prophecy. And you guys are helping me to understand it. That's what we want to do. 
Bible prophecy is about 30% of the entire Bible. But what's the point in all of that? Almost one-third of the Bible. What's the point if we can't understand it? But Daniel, John, the Apostle Paul, and Jesus Christ all said, we will be able to understand these things. And so it's very important that we get these things right. We're bringing in prayer. We're asking God to help us to interpret these things. And because we need to instruct others. That's the whole goal in all of this. They that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And in the end time, they that understand among the people shall instruct many. That's Daniel eleven thirty one and 32. So it's very, very, very important, right? So there we have it. Two great fulfillment of prophecy. The Holy Roman Empire was created and modern nations in the Bible. Number three, the rebirth of the nation of Israel, May 14, 1948. The destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD began the second exile. You realize they were when Daniel was down in Babylonian captivity. He was in exile at that point. But that was only 70 years. Then they came back to Jerusalem and built the second temple. And then that lasted until 70 AD when it was destroyed. Jesus prophesied about it in Matthew 24. And the prophecy was fulfilled in 70 AD. The, the uh, Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed. That began the second exile. God did what he said he would do, and those who persecuted and disobeyed him were driven into exile. The first exile lasted 70 years. The second exile last, lasted about, uh, be about 1878 years, all the way to 1948. Why did God... Or I should say, why did the second exile uh, last so long? Well, their punishment was extreme because they rejected the promise. They rejected the covenant, the, the seed of Abraham, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. God manifest in a fleshly form. They rejected that. And so is, it, it, they had to be exiled. But Ezekiel 37 prophesied about the rebirth of Israel after the second exile. It says, God took Ezekiel to a great valley that was full of dry bones. The Lord said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, "Uh, Lord, thou knowest, I don't know. Well, what was God showing Ezekiel here? We believe God was showing him Hitler's Holocaust. They, They stacked up their bodies. If you've ever been to a Holocaust museum, it was horrific. They stacked up their bodies as they killed six million Jews. We believe Israel saw a a picture, or I'm sorry, Ezekiel was seeing a picture of the the concentration camps when the Lord asked him if these bones could live. The Lord was asking, can this nation come back together? That's what this is symbolizing here. And Ezekiel replied that he didn't know. And then God told Ezekiel, prophesy to these dry bones. Well, as Ezekiel prophesied, the bones rejoined back together and, you know, they, they got sinew and muscle and flesh on the bones. You guys know the story. And the rest, of, the rest of the prophecy says that God, he told Ezekiel, this is the whole house of Israel. And then the rest of the prophecy says that God would bring the children of Israel from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And he would gather them back together into their homeland. And, of course, that happened after World War II when Israel came back together. 
This is one of the most recognizable prophecies since Jesus Christ in the entire Bible. How did that happen? Well, there was a yearning to return to Israel, and it began. It really began to intensify in the Jewish hearts during the latter part of the 19th century. Theodor Herzl was a Hungarian Jew who grew up attempting to fit into European culture. Herzl grew to believe anti-Semitism could not be <clears throat> defeated or cured, only avoided, really. And the only way to avoid it was the establishment of a Jewish state. So in June 1895, Herzl wrote in his diary, In Paris, I recognize the emptiness and futility of trying to combat anti-Semitism. Well, around this time, Herzl started writing pamphlets, uh, or kind of like brochures, about a Jewish state. And Herzl claimed these pamphlets resulted in the establishment of the Zionist movement. And they did play a large role in the movement's rise and success. Well, Herzl spent the rest of his life visiting presidents, prime ministers, urging the establishment of a Jewish state. Herzl predicted that within 50 years of his death, a Jewish state would be born. Well, he died in 1904, and the state of Israel was born in 1948. And today he is revered as the father of the state of Israel. Well, prior to this, the Ottoman Empire captured Jerusalem back in 1516 A.D. Ottoman control of the Middle East continued in, until World War I. With the defeat of Turkey's Ottoman Empire in 1917, control of the Middle East shifted to Great Britain and France. And when the Holy Land came under the control of the British, influential Jews petitioned the British government to facilitate the establishment of a homeland for the Jews. And on November 2nd, 1917, British Foreign Minister Arthur Balfour wrote to the Lord Walter Rothschild, and he said this. He said, His Majesty's government views with favor the establishment in Palestine. Uh, all of the promised land uh, right there in that region, I should say, was called Palestine at that point. And so they viewed in favor of the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of that objective. Well... This historic statement from the British government became known as the Balfour Declaration. Then at night, in the 1920 San Remo Conference, the victor nations of World War I assigned the mandate for Palestine to the United Kingdom under Article 22 of the Covenant of the League of Nations. And the Allies also decided to make the UK responsible for putting into effect its own Balfour Declaration of 1917. So this action of the League of Nations enshrined the Balfour Declaration into international law. Well, in 1939, horrific circumstance. The world's worst war broke out. And over the next six years, 52 million beings approximately met violent deaths. Among these were 6 million Jews that Adolf Hitler had shipped off to concentration camps. And just when the Jewish people thought that their lives couldn't get any worse, what was going on in Europe, well, it did. Hitler's gas chambers and crematoriums 
cruelly snuffed out young and old alike. And his goal was to rid the earth of the Jews once and for all. And he called his extermination campaign the final solution. Well, when the magnitude of Hitler's horrible Holocaust was revealed in the world, or I should say to the world, the collective guilt of the world's nations compelled them to finally grant the Jewish people a place to call home. On November 29, 1947, the United Nations voted to partition the area of the British mandate into an Arab state and an Israeli state. The Jews, of course, thrilled to have a homeland after almost 2,000 years of being sifted down through the nations. They accepted that partition plan with joy. But the Arabs immediately rejected that UN plan. And they didn't want a state. All they wanted to do was to eradicate Jews. But after policing the area of Palestine for, what, uh, about 28 years, the British were tired of the continual conflict between the Arabs and the Jews. And they just wanted out. So finally, the British announced that they were concluding the British mandate on May 14, 1948. And this decision was going to leave Palestine with no one to keep order. So when the British forces, they left on May 14th, the Jews made their move. Israel declared its independence that same day, May 14th, 1948. And wow, what a recognizable prophecy that was. Israel now has a homeland Ezekiel's boneyard has been gathered back together into their homeland, just like God said would happen. It was a prophecy of the regathering of the nation of Israel. And we have seen that. Uh, Actually, I haven't seen that in my lifetime. (laughs) I'm only 58, but there are people alive who saw that happen. It happened back in 1948. And so, very recognizable prophecy if you understand What happened? Ezekiel chapter 37 has now come to pass. Actually, we're still watching the ongoing fulfillment of that prophecy. And so it's very, very important that we understand, what am I doing today? I'm proving to you that we are, in fact, in the end time, folks. 1948, we're not very far removed from that. What are we, just 75, uh, 70, a little over 70 years from then? And so, very, very important that we understand these things. A lot of people say, oh, Dave, we're not in the end times. What are you thinking? If you understand the prophecies of the Bible, then you'll know we certainly are in the end times, just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the Battle of Armageddon. And we want you to understand that. That's why we we created these new DVDs and the new book. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, We will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. 
You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. That is three of the most recognizable, greatest fulfillments of prophecy since Jesus Christ was here on the earth. Folks, we're in the end time. I'm not sitting here guessing. Let me see. I wonder if we're in the end time right now. Oh, no. These prophecies have been clicking off, and now the fulfillment of prophecy is increasing. They're just happening every day. The news is full of Bible prophecy. Let me give you a couple more. Uh, to help you prove to your friends, family, your sphere of influence, we certainly are living in the end time. Number four, the fall of the Berlin Wall, November 9th, 1989. Revelation 13, 3. Once it gives a depiction of the end time world governing beast, uh, it said it had the body of the leopard, the feet of the bear, the mouth of the lion, the ten horns of the ten horn kingdom. It's a federalized group of nations, a world governing body. Revelation 13.3 says, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Remember, this beast is a federalization of nations. It's a world government. Well, many people have taught that because it says that this beast would be wounded nigh to death, that the Antichrist will be killed and raised from the dead, and, is, and for this reason the whole world will follow him. However, if you look a little bit more closely at the Scripture, it says, I saw one of his heads. Well, the beast had seven heads. One of those heads was wounded to death. Which of those heads could be said to have been wounded as it were to death? Well, you've got to remember that the heads of the beast symbolize nations. And from all the way back from Daniel 7, and they were merged into one beast with seven heads in Revelation 13. So the beast from Revelation 13 represents the one world government. And there was one head for the lion, Great Britain, one head for the bear, Russia. There were four heads for the leopard, Germany, and one head for the ten-horned beast, European Union. So which of these heads or nations was the one that was wounded to death? You need to understand that Revelation 13, 1 through 8, depicts the world governing body along with its ruler, the Antichrist. You've got to know how to separate those things out. Now, we know these beasts, this beast head symbolized nations. Which one of these nations were wounded to death? To death? Well, after World War II, the allies, uh, Russia and Great Britain and the United States of America, they determined that something was certainly wrong with just the very soul of Germany. I mean, they were concerned with Germany's history of repeatedly plunging the world into war. So to ensure that it would never happen again, they basically split Germany in half. They created East Germany and, and placing it under the Communist and the Soviet Union's sphere of influence. And then they created uh, West Germany and they placed it under the Allied sphere of influence. So by doing this, they created two separate German nations and it reduced Germany's population and their financial muscle to the point that it would no longer be a, a threat to world peace. Well, at that time, 
news headlines were screaming, Germany is dead. She will never rise again. Remember, the Bible says that the, one of these heads on these beasts would be wounded nigh unto death, which one of the heads were nations. So when the communist reality set into East Germany, into Eastern Europe, the Eastern European, peop- the, the European people wanted to get out from under this communist tyranny. Plus, they had families, families that were separated. I mean, it was horrific. Well, as a result, there began this huge hemorrhage of people. They, they, people fled to West Germany and into Western Europe. Well, hey, the communists couldn't allow that to happen. So on August 14, 1961, the Soviet Union built the Berlin Wall. It was a 29-mile wall that divided uh, East Berlin from West Berlin. And they also established the Iron Curtain and placed lookout points throughout Europe, separating Eastern Europe from Western Europe. Now, would you consider that a wound in a nation? Absolutely. But remember what Revelation 13.3 said, And I saw one of the heads, or these nations, as it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound would be healed, and the whole world would wonder after the beast. So you say, well, hold on a minute. You say that's the Berlin Wall. Are you saying the Berlin Wall would be torn down? That's exactly what happened. My father-in-law put that in a book. Irvin Baxter put that in a book in 1986, three years before it came down because of this prophecy. And when the book came out uh, in 86, a lot of people said, Irvin, why'd you do that? People aren't going to pay attention to you. Your ministry is going to be swept into the dustbin of history. Many people tried to get him not to put it in the book. But three years later... When the, Berlin, when the Berlin Wall came down, on November 9th, 1989, the day the Berlin Wall came down, people started screaming and yelling, and people were calling Irvin Baxter and saying, how in the world did you know that the Berlin Wall was going to come down? He said, it's in the prophecies of the Bible. And he also prophesied that when the Berlin Wall came down, the two Germanys would reunite, and that would be the catalyst that would launch us into the New World Order. He talked about all that in the book in 1986. Well, on November 9, 1989, the day the Berlin Wall came down, it was an incredible day, especially for Irvin Baxter, right? Because he had put it in a book three years later. But also for the people in Germany. In the November 20th, 1989 edition of Time Magazine, there was an article entitled Wall of Shame, 1961 to 1989. And the, it stated this most palpable evidence was of a deep wound in the European civilization, and it is finally gone. They were calling it the healing of a deadly wound. Time magazine. 2,000 years ago, Revelation 13 called the division of the third head of the leopard the wound that just won't heal, folks. The healing of a deadly wound. It was a deadly wound, but the deadly wound was now healed. What happened when the deadly wound was healed? Well, the New World Order was birthed just like Irvin Baxter said it would be from the prophecies of the Bible three years earlier in his book. Uh, and the, it, it happened quickly, too. I mean, um, when the Berlin Wall came down, Mikhail Gorbachev, George H.W. Bush, uh, and Pope John Paul II, within 20 days of the fall of the Berlin Wall, they met together at Malta. When they come out of those meetings, they announced the birth of the New World Order. If you remember right, shortly after the meeting with Gorbachev and the Pope and Bush Sr., Bush Sr. said, hey, we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for our future 
generations a new world order. When we are successful, and he said, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. And then while serving as the Secretary of Defense of the United States under George Bush, Dick Cheney made an interesting statement. He said in the September 29, 1991 issue of the Indianapolis Star, in his explanation concerning why there was a treaty signed to reduce weapons, he said, there is a good reason to take these steps now. And I'm quoting here. He said, the world is in a new era of promise that started two years ago with the collapse of the Berlin Wall. Well, what was he talking about? He was referring to the birth of the new world order. The Bible says that when the the deadly wound was healed of this nation, that all the world would wonder after this world-governing beast. Folks, that is exactly what happened. When the Berlin Wall came down, the two Germanys reunited, and that was the catalyst that launched us into the new world order. It was prophesied about 2,000 years ago in Revelation 13. And the prophecies always come to pass. Now, folks, that happened in 1989. But some people still question that we're in the end time. No, you don't have to do that because these prophecies are clicking off one right after the other. Now, number five, the greatest prophecy fulfillment in the last 2,000 years since Jesus Christ was here on the earth. The rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire, November 3rd, 2009. And it's already happened. The rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire transferred again, November 3rd, 2009. And it was one of the five greatest prophetic fulfillments in the last 2,000 years. Most of the world didn't even realize that it happened. Most of us lived through this prophecy. And most of us didn't even know it happened, did we? That's why it's so important that we understand Bible prophecy because so many of these prophecies are clicking off right now and most people just simply don't understand. That's why we created the Understand the End Time DVDs the and I, we wrote the uh, Understand the End Time book. It's brand new. Go to endtime.com and order yours today. It will help you understand these things. And so most of the people didn't realize it happened and they didn't recognize one of the most important prophecies of the Bible. The same thing happened. I mean, this is going to be the power base of the Antichrist, the Holy Roman Empire, the reborn Holy Roman Empire. And the same thing happened at the first coming of Jesus Christ when when he was here. Most people, uh, I mean, he fulfilled a hundred specific prophecies at least. Most people missed it because they didn't know the prophecies of the Bible. They didn't understand these things. And so they were totally oblivious when Jesus was here. And it's key for us to know and understand the elements of these prophecies that apply to the end time. One important element is there's going to be two leaders of this Holy Roman Empire, a political leader and a spiritual leader, the Antichrist and the false prophet. And this Holy Roman Empire is going to be the power base of both of these figures. That's where they're going to come from. And, you know, though the, the uh, Holy Roman Empire was defeated, I should say the, Roman, the Holy Roman Empire was defeated originally in 1806 when Napoleon defeated Francis II, the Holy Roman Empire was reborn in 2009. The dream of a united Europe, a United States of Europe, never died. 
And they finally got it across the finish line in November, in uh, November of 2009. The power base for the Antichrist is established and awaiting his arrival. Okay? But, you know, we're not really living in the end time, are we? Come on, everybody. You guys know better than that. On November 3rd, 2009, in a monastery, the Lisbon Treaty was signed. And it was at that time that the Holy Roman Empire was reborn. The Holy Roman Empire, that's the entity that will be in power on this earth at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the false prophet is going to be there as well. The Lisbon Treaty provided that once the Constitution was signed, Europe would have its own permanent president and foreign minister. So folks, here we have five of the greatest prophetic fulfillments since Jesus Christ was here on the earth, since he was died, buried, and rose again, and purchased our plan of salvation called being born again. And yet most people on the planet, the vast majority, missed all five of them. Now we have the world government being established, the world religion, precursors of the mark of the beast, the events leading up to the building of the third temple, the red heifers, um, all of these different prophecies, the greatest revival the world's ever known. And guess what? Most people are walking around totally oblivious. And so it's important to understand the prophecies, right? We just put out a new book, Understanding the End Time. Make sure you get your copy. Go to endtime.com. These things will help you understand these prophecies because Daniel said, God told Daniel, close up and seal this book because it's for the people of the time of the end, the time that we are living in right now. Get your set of DVDs, go to endtime.com and order your set today. And so that you can understand, not just so that you can have the knowledge, but that you can explain it to your friends, family, and your sphere of influence, your coworkers, everybody around you because they need to know these things as well. There's some do's and don'ts in the end time. And if you don't understand the prophecies of the Bible, just like many people at the first coming of Jesus Christ, you're going to miss the second coming. So we want you to understand and to prepare. God bless.